dry eyes? It might be me, inflammation. Those over-the-counter eye drops typically lubricate your eyes and may provide temporary relief and probably won't touch me. Ask your doctor about Zydra, a prescription eye drop used to treat the signs and symptoms of dry eye disease. It works differently by targeting a source of inflammation that can cause dry eye disease. It can provide lasting symptom relief. Zydra, now! Don't use if you're allergic to Zydra. Common side effects include eye irritation, discomfort, or blurred vision when applied to the eye, and unusual taste sensation. Don't touch container tip to your eye or any surface. After using Zydra, wait 15 minutes before reinserting contacts. See our ad in Travel and Leisure magazine. Call 1-877-4-ZYDRA or visit Zydra.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Glad you can join us here on 91.7 WPRL and on the World Wide Web, WPRL.org. Football season is here. Man, glad to see it, glad to smell it, the smell of grass and the look of football. It's hot. That means it's football season. It was 82 degrees this morning at 8.30 when I was on the practice field. High of 94 today feels like 110, and tomorrow's going to be a scorcher. High of 98. Sunday high of 94, but we got some rain coming and it'll cool off a bit next week. Glad you can join us here on 91.7 WPRL and WPRL.org. Uh, the other day we talked with Braves defensive coordinator Cedric Thornton. We appreciate Cedric Thornton coming on with us. And if you missed that interview, you can check it out on my Facebook page, Charles Edmond. I'm on Twitter, Tall Man Radio. And this evening, we're going to talk offense with offensive coordinator Elliot Ratton live in studio. I think this is the first time, Elliot Ratton, you've been in our studio. Am I correct? You are correct, Charles. Uh, yeah, we appreciate you stopping by. And uh, day one in the books. And first of all, glad you can join us and just glad that we're out here. That First off, thanks for having me. And I couldn't be more excited that we got to go out and practice this morning and do football and feel pretty normal. How did it feel a year ago? And Cedric Thorne said he was miserable. I mean, you know, he was chomping at the bit. Players chomping at him. He chomping at the players. He wanted to pick up a whistle and get out there. He couldn't. For you, how was the last year like knowing that there was no football? Maybe, maybe not. As it turned out, it wasn't in the fall, and we didn't have it in the spring. Uh, It was tough. It was tough because, you know, we're such creatures of habit. And, you know, the first beginning part, it was like, all right, it's August 2nd. We should be doing this. It's August 3rd. It would be. And so I had to stop doing that. Yeah. You know, it, it was tough, you know, and you looked around and you didn't know what was going on and maybe we're going to play. Maybe we're not going to play. Maybe it's going to be the spring. Um, I guess the positive out of it was I got to spend a lot of time at home with my wife and my son. So that part was good. Um, but the football part of it, like you said, it was miserable because you spent all that time preparing to get ready to play a season and that's what we do. It's not that it's work. It's just this is what we do. So it was it was different. Football and sports, you know, your body is used to doing certain things at certain times. Football players, every athlete is used to doing certain things at certain times. Obviously, for coaches, you're used to doing certain things at certain times. That's right. You know, the just the normal grind of being together in the staff room and being around the kids on a daily basis and preparing and the – the joy you take in scheming and figuring out what you're going to do next and, and that part of it. And, you know, we didn't really get that last fall, and it was tough. For me, last June, July, I hit rock bottom. I mean, I can admit this now. I mean, I was miserable. Coach Thorne said he was miserable. When did it hit rock bottom for you? I, I know you have a family, so your kids kind of kept you going. But when did it hit rock bottom like, man, I mean, what in the heck? You know, what What's going to happen here? 
I think it was really when you started to see some other leagues take off and try it. Um, you know, watching games on Saturdays was harder than you wanted it to be because you're, you, when you're watching the game, when, you know, when they zoom the TV in and you watch the 22 guys on the field, that looked normal. Now they pan around the stadiums and you look around. And so about when they started playing games, it was like, what are we doing? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, course so you are an indiana grad and um obviously dealing with with some football in in the midwest i'm sure you had a chance to check that out i did you know i still have a few friends up there so i was able to watch them which i hadn't really been able to do the last few years and you know able to watch them whenever they kicked off a little bit later um you know and see some other friends play that ended up playing this fall that was kind of neat to get a chance and actually watch their game and you know have an intelligent conversation after the game about you know what they did and so, um, you know, that part that part was neat to be able to do that. I don't want to do it till I retire again, though. Speaking of intelligent conversations, as we get ready for a season, and obviously it's it's go, we hope to go through a full season with no cancellations, but uh, our commissioner, Dr. Charles McClellan, talked about it in media day, that uh, there will be no rescheduling of games in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. There will be forfeiture of games in the Southwestern Athletic Conference if teams don't do what they need to do. So talking about that conversation, talk with Coach Thorne last week, and he had a big spill on it and try to just keep everybody focused on, on just doing what needs to be done. What What's your take on that, and, and, and how do you approach it with, with your offense? You know, we approached it, and we we actually shared what the commissioner said. We we read the memos and shared some of the things we watched in his interview the day of media day and just let the guys know, um, you know, what could happen if we don't take care of what we need to do. You know, and I think our guys have done an awesome job. We have a really high number that have been vaccinated. Uh, we had the mobile unit on campus today for some guys getting – a bunch of guys getting their second shot. We've had a whole bunch of them go get this week. Uh you know, on our side, we have – it's a very high number. I, I mean, I would say we're over 90% vaccinated. Yeah, Coach, Coach McNair mentioned in media day, 88% at that time. Okay. And so we've had a few more that, you know, as they've seen their teammates do it, they've decided to go ahead and get vaccinated because I think the commissioner did make a good point just with kind of how this has been changing. And, you know, students are going to come back to campus, and they're going to be in the residence halls. They're going to be in the cafeteria – and, you know, I know myself included when I had it, I didn't I had no idea how we got it. You know, you did your best. And so, I mean, it's I think it's one of those things you don't really you can do everything you can, but that doesn't mean you're not going to get it. So, you know, I think the kids have understand and bought into the fact of if we want to be able to play the whole season, um, you know, we, we might need to get this, you know, get a shot. And it's so much work that's going into this didn't play in the spring, of course, you know, not knowing what's going on in the fall just the uncertainty and then you don't want to have any more delays you don't want to have any more pushbacks for sure and you know some of these guys work so hard to get in shape and gain weight and keep weight on and you know if you're down 10 to 14 days where you can't do any physical activity um, I believe the science says that after about two weeks you kind of lose your conditioning if you don't do it so if you're out that long while you may not be allowed to be around anyone for two weeks it's probably going to take you a little bit longer to come back and you know, go be able to play on a Saturday in the fall. We're talking with Braves offensive coordinator Elliot Ratton. So, Coach, let's take a look at it. Day one of camp. We talked about it. It was hot out there this morning, 82 degrees at 830. It's 94 right now feels like 110 with the heat index. Atypical first day or 
when I say atypical, meaning it could be different or just a typical first day, day one stuff? I thought it was a pretty typical good first day on that high end. You know, having gone through spring ball really helped that. Um, we try and walk through what the, even the practice format's going to be like. We did that earlier this week. Just, uh, hey, this is the, remember, this is the drill we do. This is how we do it. This is where you stand, you know, just to lay it out for them. You know, from the first drill we did today, we even walked through, here's the stretch lines. Here's how many of them we got. Here's where individuals going on. Um, you know, because that's what we do in football. We walk through everything we're going to do. We plan for it. So we went through that earlier this week, and I thought it looked pretty good out there this morning because, you know, we had a – uh, maybe 10, 12 guys, maybe maybe a little bit more, that showed up for their first practice at Alcorn State today. So, you know, a few of them are kind of wide-eyed and looking around. <laughs> where, you know, this is their first day of college football. Yeah. We're talking with Braves Offensive Coordinator Elliot Radnan. I posted some of the videos this morning. I was out there practicing. Uh, we appreciate all the support there and folks checking out the videos. And I think people are just happy to see Alcorn football, the purple and gold, on the football field. So it was a, definitely a lot of uh, excitement there and the drills. And I saw a lot of guys flying around and bouncing around here in the first day of practice in the heat. Yeah, I thought the kids did a tremendous job because there was no question that it was it was warm out there today. You know, I came off the field, and I think I was soaked head to toe. And <laughs> um, I was standing there coaching and jogging around and, and doing that. But, I, th- you know, they came with a lot of energy, and which is very typical of the first day. And one thing we reminded the kids of is, okay, that was what the first day looked like. Let's see that same enthusiasm next Thursday because, you know, we, we'll go today, tomorrow, Sunday's off, and then next week we go Monday through Saturday. So you get to the middle of the next week, it's hot, we get the pads on. And our kids do a great job of it here, of keeping that excitement and, and getting out there. And, you know, the first day is tough. Now we're just out there in helmets. So the only competitive things we did with the defense was seven on seven. Um, so, you know, for the linemen, it was, I think, an hour and 40 minutes of individual drills, which was awesome. I don't know if they'll say the same thing, but it's awesome to get out there and work the fundamentals and, and do the things that you can't do with them in the summertime. Speaking of of drills, it's different now. I mean, the old school football of two a days, two one day, one every other day, two practices every other day. Those days are gone. Talk about that. Yeah, they they're gone, and they, the NCAA came out with some new stuff this year to even where we are limited to nine full practices, eight practices in helmet and shoulder pads, and eight helmet practices. And the eight helmet practices is probably the the biggest change. Um, So we've got those, you know, we spent some time uniquely putting those in the schedule to make sure we had them in a good spot. Um, But, you know, there is no more Camp 230 that we used to do. (laughs) I don't think we would have been able to do one today with that heat index. Um, But, you know, it's forced you to adapt and change. And, you know, if you really look at it, some of the stuff, I did in the off-season clinicking and participating in some offensive line clinics with NFL guys. You know, they don't do a whole bunch of stuff in, in pads. And not that we're at NFL level yet, but you can get a good understanding of how to be very productive when you just have the helmet on. And we're, we're going to put a big focus on that because, you know, you can't dwell on the fact that, oh, this is different. Okay, what are we going to get out of it? And that's what we've done. So I think the kids did an awesome job with it. You know, it's hard to focus for that long out there when you don't get to do any team reps. But I I thought they did an awesome job with it today. And obviously the elimination of two-a-days is because of the safety aspect and because of the fact that we did not play in the spring and we know these starts and stops. Does that concern you a little bit because 
and when people talk about Braves football, man, Braves hadn't played in two years. They're gonna be rusty. Uh, is is that just that just talk or just the fact that we don't have the two a days every other day? Are you worried about just trying to get caught up, or can you? No, I'm not too worried about being rusty, especially for that first one. I'm worried about being too juiced up and ready to go. You know, and I think the one thing that it benefited us pretty well is to go out and play that week zero game. You know, there's a handful of teams that started camp this week, but I believe everyone else in our conference won't open up till next Friday. So we have we actually get a double bye this year, which I think will be great because we have a bye after that first game, and your biggest improvements come from week one to week two. So we'll have a bye week after that first game to really focus on some things we need to clean up. And then going into that second game against Northwestern State at home here, you know, we'll have – I think that'll help us because we will get essentially an extra week of practice over everyone. Um, obviously not the first opponent because they're they're on the same schedule as us. But, you know, going through spring ball and the lifting this summer and being able to kind of get back on track relatively in the weight room and things in February, it's somewhere in the middle there, I think the guys feel like this is a pretty normal cycle to get ready for the season. You know, like you like you said, we got a bunch of new faces. Um, we got a bunch of old faces that have been here for a long time, and they kind of understand what our process is. And they've done a nice job of once July hit and everyone got back, it kind of fell into, hey, this is what we do. I, I was wondering about the spring. I mean, we saw the spring ball take place, all these teams playing in the spring. Of course, we didn't. But when I was at uh, spring practice, you just I just saw a relief in the bouncing around knowing that instead of focusing on games, you're just focusing on getting ready for the fall. And it looked like that was uh, that, that was really, you know, uh, exhilarating, knowing that you just had to focus on the spring and try to get back in the proper configuration for the fall. Yeah, because getting ready for football season, it, I mean, it's an eight-month process. Starting, you know, when everyone returns in January, going through spring ball. You know, obviously I think this was a great spring ball for us. And I think part of it was so many kids had football taken away from them last year, and they, you know, you you lost something and you got it back, and you know we didn't take it for granted. Coaches, players, you know, we had a chance to really, and you had that feeling like, hey, we need to catch up. And um, I thought the kids did a great job. I think all the coaches did a great job of, and you know, we had a good spring. the The weather was good. I think Coach McNair said this is the most spring practices we've had in since we've all been together. the The rain magically worked itself out here, which was nice. Yeah, um, which because we needed it. We're talking with Braves offensive coordinator Elliot Radden. The text line is going crazy here. The tweet line is going crazy. So what we're going to do right here, we're going to take a break and we're going to start on the offense. We're going to start with the quarterbacks. We'll go right down the line. A lot to talk about there. The backup quarterback role, that's up for grabs right now. We'll talk about that with Elliot Radden. The backfield, uh, fullbacks, offensive line, wide receivers, tight ends. And, of course, Elliot Ratton being here a minute, just learning the position. And I tell you what, talking with Elliot Ratton, he just looks so comfortable in this role. And then the videos that he, that he puts out, uh, we're going to talk about that as well. So if you have questions, give us a call, 601-877-6595. You can text a question, 601-348-7254. And you can tweet a question. I'm on Twitter, Tall Man Radio. We'll take a break. We'll be right back.
What do I cherish? Precious moments watching Dad read to my little Eric. That's why I'm so grateful I insisted on an eye exam when I noticed him struggling with the words on the page. We found out Dad has age-related macular degeneration, or AMD. Luckily, the doctor caught it in time for treatment, so Dad can still read. Protect yourself and your loved ones. Call the Foundation Fighting Blindness today at 1-800-254-6552 for a free packet on preventing and managing AMD. That's 1-800-254-6552. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. All right, welcome back. Charles Edmond here in studio. Beautiful campus of Alcorn State University, WPRL 91.7. We're on TuneIn Radio and WPRL.org, our producer, Jamario Brooks, over in Studio A. All right, uh, Coach Elliot Radden, let's start with the offense here, and let's start with, obviously, the quarterback. And uh, already through the first two days of NFL camp, Carson Wentz of uh, the Colts is, is out Dak Prescott went down. Um, I was looking at Felix Harper. I mean, you know, you've got it this first day at camp. Talk a little bit about the quarterback position, obviously, with Felix. I mean, he, you know, starts in Atlanta, ends in Atlanta. We know what he did coming in off the bench against McNeese, almost pulling that game out, and we all know the rest. The biggest improvement from Felix Harper from the minute he stepped on that field against McNeese to what you're seeing right now. You know, I think Felix's comfort out there and running the whole offense is one of the biggest things you've seen out there. He's, and I know you've talked to him, but he's very cool and calm and collected, whether it's going well or it's not going very well. But um, we've been able to open the offense up even a little bit more and give him some freedoms within it because the way he understands the game is tremendous. You know, and I think the best thing about him is we feel comfortable opening it up and letting him have some decisions is he's not going to try and do too much. You know, he understands where the football is supposed to go on the field. And if it means in the RPO world, if it means i got to hand it off, I hand it off. If it's a throw, I'm going to throw it. You know, and I, I think he's very mature. He's really developing as a leader, you know, every day and just holding those guys accountable and, you know, getting those guys out there and going to throw on his own. Um, he, he's doing awesome with it. I'm very excited to just see him. He was in there. He stopped by when we were watching film as an offense this afternoon. And he pokes at coach. Can can yeah? You're always welcome. You're always <laughs> like because I've you know with him obviously have already graduating. He's got a little bit less load on his plate academically. And I said I'd love to have you in here every day when we're watching if you have time. You know and because they quarterbacks already meet a little bit more and you know they're you know Coach Gray's got them in there working and because um, they have so much you know and you know they're expected to know a lot. So you know I think just his understanding of the whole. You know, he came in and we were watching stuff, stuff the other day on some of the first couple of opponents, and he's saying, Coach, I like this because this is happening. You jot it down, and because, you know, part of how we game plan is by the time we get to about Wednesday, have him come in and what do you like, what don't you like? And, um, you know, one thing I told him is you, you can't like it all. <laughs> he's like, I like it all, Coach. I like everything. Okay, but what, what do you love and what are your guys running well and they feel comfortable with? And so he's really grown in that aspect. You know, the one thing when I noticed uh, throughout the whole season two years ago, 
Felix Harper stands in that pocket and he's going to he's going to do his reads and progressions. He's going to hang in there and get the ball where it's supposed to be. Not saying it didn't happen previous with previous quarterbacks, but Felix Harper hung in there and 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 really got the ball where it needed to go. Yeah, he he and that's the biggest thing you ask for in the quarterback position is to get the ball where it's supposed to go. Trust the offensive line and, and blocking, and obviously we got to do our part and make sure it's clean back there. You know, I have a very high standard of what it needs to to be back there, and he expects it. You know, and he's got a good, unique knack of moving around because he's not the tallest of guys, but of moving around and finding the windows. And you know, he has a great trust with that group, and they trust him back there. They know they can block through the whistle because he's the longer he holds on to it, something's really good's about to happen. You know, because if if he can keep holding on it and be untouched, he's going to find someone open downfield. He does a great job playing downfield, not seeing the rush, and finding those guys and letting all our skill guys get open and, and letting them go to work. Did you have to change the offense a lot once Felix Harper was going to be our quarterback in that 19 season? Did, did you have to tweak a, a bunch of stuff? Did you have to overhaul a bunch of stuff? I know you had to do it on the fly because the season was well underway. Yeah, yes. And I, I think the staff, you know, Coach Phillips and Coach Boos and, and when Coach White was here we, and Coach Powell, we did a great job of uh, – because Noah, if you look at that game against McNeese, we were doing a lot of quarterback run game. You know, we were going to – and Noah ran for 1,000 yards in 18 and threw for 2,000. And Felix can run, but he's littler. You know you know what I mean? And um, obviously Deshaun was hurt in 19, and we had a bunch of skill guys out there. You know, obviously Chris Blair's in Packers camp right now doing really well. And so I think if when you look at when you turn the tape on from McNeese to the Prairie View game, it almost looks like the concepts were the same. But in terms of what we were doing, and it was a lot more drop back pass, a lot more pushing the ball down the field because that's what he's really, really good at. And also when you're down to the second quarterback, you got to be a little bit more mindful of you don't want to get to the third. And I think he did a great job. You know, we had some quarterback run game when we needed it. We'll always carry it for when we need it. Um, because he does run well, but he throws the ball really, really well. All right, so we know Felix Harper is going to start against uh, North Carolina Central. We know he will. But the biggest question, one of the biggest questions, maybe the biggest question of this team on offense is who's the number two? Um, Obviously, you know, uh, Jiren Russell transferred. uh, And I thought this is just Charles Edmonds' opinion for whatever it's worth. I thought that Jiren Russell was putting himself in position to be the number two. But we were talking a couple weeks ago at the end of camp. Apparently, uh, that wasn't uh, that wasn't the thought process. You know, take us through that in terms of how many quarterbacks we've got and trying to find the number two. Sure. You know, we our message to the quarterbacks between Coach McNair, Coach Gray, and myself coming out of the spring was that we didn't feel that anyone had claimed that spot. You know, um, and Jiren was doing well, but we didn't feel like anyone had really claimed that spot. And he decided to move on. And so we have a whole, we got a bunch of guys here that, um, you know, we're going to have an open competition this fall. And, you know, we're going to lean, I'm going to lean heavily on Coach McNair and Coach Gray. Obviously, Coach McNair has done this a few times and (laughs) and has had a great run in developing quarterbacks and has a unique knack for being able to sort through and figure out who that number two is. Um, And I think we have a bunch of qualified candidates that are all similar but different and do some really good things and, um, you know, we can get into talking about them. and Please. You know, obviously just the oldest on the roster that's been here in terms of experience is T. Adams out of Meridian. You know, super athletic, 
his first year in 19, he took a red shirt. And then, you know, I think probably one of the things that hurt him with the pandemic is just not being able to go out there, you know, and keep developing. Um, you know, obviously being on the scout team is tough, and it's a very important role, but you kind of lose a little bit of the growth on a day-to-day basis because you're running another team's offense instead of taking as many reps, you know, running your own. Um, Trey Lawrence and Cole Williams, two freshmen. Trey just got here in January, and Cole showed up here last August. Um very excited about both of them. I'll start with Cole just because he's been here a little bit longer. Um, you know, Cole's an extremely big, physical-looking kid, runs extremely well, highly intelligent. You know, um, he's from Montgomery, Alabama. He he had a good spring, very excited about what he's doing. He's more – he's a dual-threat kid, kind of reminds you of um, maybe a Lenoris Footman type guy. And Trey Lawrence – he was a mid-year enrollee, got here in January, which was awesome for him because, you know, we, we only got a couple of weeks of football in the fall. So, you know, Cole had a little leg up on him in terms of doing some virtual meetings and stuff on Zoom, but Trey got here in January, hit the ground running. I thought he had a great spring game. Um, Dry eyes? It might be me. Inflammation. Those over-the-counter eye drops typically lubricate your eyes and may provide temporary relief and probably won't touch me. Ask your doctor about Zydra, a prescription eye drop used to treat the signs and symptoms of dry eye disease. It works differently by targeting a source of inflammation that can cause dry eye disease. It can provide lasting symptom relief. Zydra, now! Don't use if you're allergic to Zydra. Common side effects include eye irritation, discomfort, or blurred vision when applied to the eye, and unusual taste sensation. Don't touch container tip to your eye or any surface. After using Zydra, wait 15 minutes before reinserting contacts. See our ad in Travel and Leisure magazine. Call 1-877-4-ZYDRA or visit Zydra.com. Kind of a tall, wiry kid. Reminds me of a right-handed Felix. Um, And then the next one that just got here a few weeks ago is a Memphis transfer, Markevian Quinn. Uh, he's from the Delta. He played uh, junior college football at Pearl River and was up at Memphis the last couple years. Tall, long kid, throws it really well. Um, like I said, he's only had a few weeks in the offense, and, you know, he's a sponge. You know, he's he's calling me, texting Coach Gray. You know, he just, you know, because he feels like he, you know, he wants, and we brought him to compete. You know, and that was the message. You know, we don't promise anyone anything in recruiting. We can promise you the opportunity to compete, and if you're the best one, you'll win it. But he's super athletic. You know, Coach Phillips played against him when he when he was at Gulf Coast and, and Markevian was at uh, Pearl River. And then uh, Coach Terenzo Quinn, who used, who was our DB's coach here, he uh, he coached him in high school. So he he knew, and he was his, actually his offensive coordinator. So he had a great relationship, and, you know, when we were going through the portal, kind of looking around, he said, you can't find a better kid. So I think when you look at those those four guys that, that have been here, um, we're going to find out. You know what I mean? And we're going to find out. I, I don't think anyone has an edge right now. They're all – they can all run. They're all bigger physical kids, and they all throw it extremely well. So, you know, the the key is going to be who can process the offense and do what we ask them to do. And, you know, their version of what they get in the offense may not be the same as what you see Felix go out there and do because he's on a little bit, you know, as we it's a, it's a challenge because you have to develop the starter to, you know, go play this this season while still figuring out who your backup can be and what each one of those can be good at and excel at. So that, you know, that's where we're at and 
everything they do is being evaluated. We're charting it, you know, and we're, we're, we're evaluating. Now, as far as size is concerned, we know about Felix's size and stature with this spread, with this newfangled offense. And like Coach Thornton said the other day, just slinging it around and just, just moving these pieces around like a video game. Does size matter? Does, you know, bigger quarterback matter? Smaller than stature matter? Does Has, has that dynamic changed? You know, I think you've seen a little bit of a, a trend on some of the smaller quarterbacks, you know, with Kyler Murray having so much success with the Cardinals. Um, you know, I really think you, you start looking at the guys that have the the arm talent to throw it and the ability to run it. And I ask those guys all the time back there, you know, I go, can you see? What's the deal? Because I'm, I'm an offensive lineman. I'm an offensive line coach. <laughs> and, you know, I think, you know, obviously being a little bit taller makes it easier to see over a big offensive line. But Felix has had a lot of success, you know, because he has a unique ability to move around and find windows. You know, I think the biggest thing nowadays is you have to have a guy that's athletic enough not to run him 20 times a game, but to be able to move around and can they be patient and not let the rush get to him. All right, so that's the quarterback deal. Of course, anyone stood out after day one or we we still status quo? We're Still status quo. You know, still status quo. I, I, they all did some nice things out there today. And, you know, the heart, it, you got to be able to get enough reps for them, you know, because those dang receivers out there, they're they're running, run. I wish we had a tracker on them to know exactly how much. I asked Coach Phillips that earlier. I go, how much do you think they ran today? He goes, I bet you they ran six to seven miles just with all with everything they do today because they run, you know. And I, if you've watched us, we throw the ball down the field. So every time you run down, you still got to run back. So they, they run a lot, and, they you know, they're I promise you they'll be in shape when we go out there against Central. Speaking of running, running backs is next. Uh, we're at the bottom of the hour. Glad you can join us. i tell you what, we'll take a station ID right here as we're halfway through our interview with uh, Coach Elliot Radden. A lot of texts and tweets. We'll get, some, we'll get to them. We promise we will. Let's pause 10 seconds for station identification here on the Brave Sports Radio Network. You are tuned in to WPRA 91.7 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Alcorn State University. Nico Duffy, Nico Duffy, and more Nico Duffy. That leads the running backs as we're talking about the Braves offense with offensive coordinator Elliot Ratton. Glad you can join us here on 91.7 WPRL and WPRL.org. All right, uh, Coach Elliot Ratton, we talked about the quarterbacks, and we'll be talking about it a lot more, I'm sure, with that competition especially who's going to be the backup. But there's no doubt uh, who's going to be toting the mail. Nico Duffy leading the way for the Braves. Talk about him, your expectations for this upcoming season, and some of the guys that you're going to have in that backfield. Well, the first thing, I th- I'm very excited about the running back room. Coach Booz has done a great job developing some depth in there. Uh, Nico Duffy came back. I think he, he, he'd gained about 8 to 10 pounds from the spring, which is looking really good. Obviously, he had a great freshman campaign, and which he wasn't really thought to necessarily have to be the guy with Deshaun. And then when he got hurt, he did a nice job stepping up. But um, I think since the last time he played football, he might be up 15 to 20 pounds. Um, and, and Coach Irby in the strength room has done a phenomenal job with him. You know, he's he's some he can do some unique things catching the ball out of the backfield and, and obviously having played so many snaps as he did in nineteen with his vision in the run game and you know, we've added some things that I think will be beneficial to him. Um but I think we have this might be as deep as we've been at that spot in a minute. Um Stafford Anderson had an awesome spring. He's a he's a transfer from Northwestern State. He's about two twenty five, two thirty 
and he 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 was actually their leading rusher in 19. So he's played a lot of college football. He he can do some things and has some ability to make some folks miss. He's athletic. He he's got good top end speed, and he ha, he has a run from spring that every time I see it makes my jaw drop. In terms of he made a couple guys miss in the hole with quick lateral movement, and then busted out of there, um, which was super exciting to see. And next guy we have up here, and again, some of these guys I'm just listing in an order here because they're going to keep battling it out. Uh, Austin Bolton uh, out of Mississippi Gulf Coast. He he had a great spring. Big physical downhill back. I think he's squatting over 600 pounds, um, physical, between the tackles, kind of an old-school guy, um, runs some of those gap schemes, power and counter really well. Uh, Javante Leatherwood, super talented freshman out of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and he he practices hard. Now, you might hear him around campus with the speakers bumping, too. That's him. <laughs> but he runs super hard. Uh, I think he's he's got a very bright future. John Bolton was having a great spring. He 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 had a little injury. He's back. He's back and good going now. Um, I'm super excited to see him back out there and going because he was having a very nice spring before he got dinged up. And then and then we brought in a freshman running back, B.J. Rogers from Arlington, Texas. Um, and he he has a unique skill set. He he was split out wide a little bit in high school. He's got good vision. Uh, returned punts and kicks and did some of those things. I'm super excited about him. Now, I've only seen him one day in pads, but those those top couple, it's going to be hard to sort out those top four or five older guys. And each of them, you know, has a unique skill set, but I think this is as deep as we've been. And, and it's great for the backs because, you know, they don't need to have 300 carries in a year just for durability. I think we have some guys that can spell them. We have some guys that we can split out wide and do some things in the passing game that, you know, Nico and show Stafford, they call them show have great hands. You know, I think John and Austin and, and Leatherwood have a great ability to get downhill and be physical backs that can pound you. Um, so I'm super excited about that room. You know, it's just amazing to me in doing this as long as I have for the Braves and the success we've had running the football. You go all the way back to Arnold Walker, Anthony A. Train Williams, DeLance Turner. I mean, how in P.J. Simmons, how in the world have we been able to stock up in that particular position? Just being able to get these, these dynamic running backs and we're able to just, as you say, run that football and really no team has been able to slow this thing down. Yeah, I th- you know, and obviously a lot of those names you said happened even before I was here, and yeah. I, I was here with a few of them. But, you know, I, I think this is a great area of the country to recruit running backs, you know, and, and we've done it, you know, I think everyone that's but even before I was here, they did a good job evaluating and finding good guys. And, you know, the important thing, you know, is, is you find backs, you have to find a system that marries up with them too. You know, not everyone can just run outside zone and run around the tackle, you know, some guys are better downhill backs and, and seeing the inside run game. So, and so part of it is setting those guys up to have success out there. And then when you get a really, really special one, they can do whatever you want. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's part of it, tailoring the run game to, you know, because every back's a little bit different. You know, Deshaun was special. You know, P.J., DeLance, those guys were special. I remember watching watching Ragsdale before I even got here and watching him, and I was like, who is that? Yeah. You know, and we've had a bunch of them, and I think you got a couple guys in here that can really do some things this year, and 
and they'll be exciting for for everyone to watch. A couple of kids from Vicksburg, uh, Malik Shelley, I call Vicksburg's games, and Alec Bailey. Talk a little bit about that, the, the local uh, local angle. Yeah, you know, we, I think having some local guys, and Malik's a big, strong kid. I, he shook my hand again the other day, and he about broke my hand. <laughs> you know, and Alec's a guy that played some receiver and moved back there, a little shiftier guy. So, you know, it's exciting to see those guys here and doing a good job. I'm just just so impressed how we're able to run the fo- – and it, it's a beautiful thing to watch when you can run the football and keep teams off balance. And, yeah, I'm saying Southern University for one because we've had some success against them as well as other teams in the conference. How when you can move those pieces around, especially running the football, how it makes the game a beautiful game to watch offensively and how it makes your play calling so much easier. Yeah, everything starts with having the ability to run the football. And, you know, if you look at it, in 19, we didn't run for as many yards a game, but we also threw for a bunch more. And I think our running threat was still very, very strong. But, you know, like I I tell people, we went from having two guys back there, because we had two guys in 18 that ran for 1,000 yards between Noah and Deshaun. So you go from having two primary run threats, preseason All-Americans, to both of them not playing the majority of the year, and we were still able to have the success running the ball. You know, I told the offense last night, I looked around the room, I said, who knows what balance is? I got a couple answers, and someone said 50-50. I said, balance is being able to do what you want when you want. So when we want to run the ball, we can run the ball. When we want to throw it, we can throw it. And the best part is everything in our run game helps set up our pass game. Because if we can't run the ball, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard to throw it. So everything starts with having the ability to run the football. Just a quick question. You, you, you're going back to games in 18, 19. Which defense was the toughest, you, 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 you think, in terms of us being able to run? I mean, we've been able to run the football, but there's been some games in which it was tough sledding. Uh, I think North Carolina A&T. And just the, the style in which they play of an eight-man box when you're in 11 personnel. They refuse to let you run the ball. And they're going to always outnumber you unless you run the quarterback. And that's why I think when you look at 18, that performance in that game, I think was very impressive. Now, we, we came up on the short end. And then in 19, they were all up there and not really running Felix in that game. Um, and they had they had fixed what we had hurt them on in 18. They, <laughs> we checked it. Trust me. We, we came out and checked it. And that was, they had addressed the issue. Yeah. So, when you know, you come out in an eight-man box, you need to throw the ball vertical. Um, and that's what we, you know, we, we, especially in that third quarter, we were able to push the ball down the field and they were stubborn enough or they were, didn't really want to back up, you know, cause, and I get, I get their standpoint too. They have, they had a great secondary. They had a corner that was, a ended up being an all American. He's in somebody's camp. Um, and they said, you're going to throw the ball down the field. And traditionally those are lower percentage throws. So, I mean, I, those are one of them. Grambling's always one. And it's, again, these guys that outnumber you in the box playing, whether it's an eight-man box or want to go single high and put all those guys up there, you know, and we've had success against them. But it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard because they literally have more than you have in the box. And so, therefore, the importance of running the football, opening up a little bit, just, just take, take what the defense gives you. Yes. You know, and you can't – you've got to – you have to make sure your run game and what you have called is on point for that week. You know, not everything, you know, whether it's inside runs because the overhangs are out there and knifing in, making the plays, maybe it's not perimeter run. But you have to be able to run the ball. Otherwise, if you just go back and throw it, there's a reason A&T was number one or two, top couple in, you know, FCS football the last couple of years in defense. 
Now, the, the beautiful part about it for us is we see one of the top couple defenses statistically the last couple of years that we get to line up against every day. Yeah. You know, and we got some pretty talented guys. So, you know, we see our defense doesn't want us to run the ball either. So, you know, it forces us to get creative. And, you know, and I think with the way quarterbacks are going nowadays, you have to be able to throw it. And if you have a guy that can throw it around, now you really have that ability to, you know, if you can't throw it and they can stack the box, you're that's hard, you know, because there you can't back them up. Yeah, and speaking of throwing it around, when you have a guy like a Chris Blair, who's as we've talked about, is in Green Bay's camp, and uh, the good thing that situation with Aaron Rodgers is 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 signed, sealed, and delivered, so he can focus on that. And Chris Blair focusing on trying to make that roster. You have Chris Blair, obviously you lost that, but then you have uh, the Charles Pringle. So let's talk about the wide receivers. Yeah, I think this is a great group that we have at receiver. Coach Phillips has done an awesome job recruiting, developing these guys. Um, you know, when you look at these guys, we have Juan Anthony and Chris Green playing one spot over there. Juan and Chris can both run. You know, Juan will play, has the ability to move around and play inside and outside. But with some of the things we do in, in the past game, I think those would be a great spot. You know, Chris Green took a red shirt in 2019, and he looks amazing right now. He's, you know, he's put some weight on, tall, skinny kid, about a buck 85. Um, was a track kid in high school. He can really run. He looks kind of like that Ray Darius Anderson type out there, just that long, athletic guy that's going to go up and get it. Um, you know, Charles Pringle's one that, you know, that's very exciting. You know, he's just kind of that old, grizzled veteran. Um, very quiet, unassuming. Very quiet and unassuming. I did deliver your message to him about the bowling. You know, <laughs> I was talking to him today. He told me he was he scored seven goals his senior year of high school in soccer, and so he's kind of one of those guys that's good at everything, you know. Uh, but with what we asked except him, bowling, well, I can't speak on that. <laughs> I can't speak on that. We have a now for those who might not know. I bowl and I bowl in a league, and I think I'm okay. And Latrell Pringle challenged me at the softball tournament to to a bowling uh, match, and we're gonna have to put that on video. And uh, I, I can't be responsible, coach, for what happens. Okay, so I'm just I'm letting you know that right now. I'm competitive, he's competitive, and uh, it, it'll it'll bring out the best or maybe the worst in both of us. You, you know, he watches bowling videos and pregame meal to get him focused, right? Oh, really? Yeah, I saw. I walked by, and I was like, Pringle, what are you doing? He said, the "Coach, is how I focus." I said, all right. I kept going on and ate my pregame meal. Well, I might but, be in trouble then. <laughs> um, but, no, he, he's awesome. You know, he, he's, he runs with his eyes up. He does an awesome job finding ways to get open. You know, we don't necessarily try and force the ball to him. He does a good job. There's a lot of grass on that football field, you know, and he does a good job finding it. And he's so smart, he's able to get there. Um, you know, Akeem McNair is one that falls in that same mold of obviously you expect him to be a pretty smart, intelligent football player and playing that inside receiver spot, and he's got a unique knack to find ways to get open. And uh, Kendrick Brown and Alvin Edney, both younger guys that have done a nice job. Um, you know, on the other side of the outside, obviously C.J. Bowler's one that we've talked about we're extremely excited for. He's a transfer coming in from Vanderbilt, originally from the Hattiesburg area. Uh, started, I think, 14 games up there and wanted to get a little closer to home. He's he's super explosive. I'm very excited about him and the time and the things I've been able to see him do. Um, Tim McNair is an older guy that's been in the system. You know, he's he, he's having a great, you know, I just think the way he's changed his body, he had a great spring. He's doing some really good things. And then we got a young guy, L.D. Fair, out there who, who I think is going to be a really good player for us. 
So how many receivers are we going to carry? To a to an away game? <laughs> in totality, and yes, to an away game. We have 13 in camp right now. We have 13 in camp right now. So that number could expand a little bit. Um, you know, looking to, you know, if, if they can play, let's bring them. Yeah. You know, but, you know, for a away game, we might be fighting to have to take a whole bunch of them. Yeah. You know, and I, so – but they they're doing an awesome job out there and I think with what we're doing in our passing game, you know, it's it's fun to watch them and Felix work together and gel and and watch that ball go up in there. You know, one of the things I was impressed with, it seemed like that Pringle that uh Harper to Pringle connection, they just seemed like they just know each other, the rhythm. Those passes are right on the button. Pringle knows where he has to be and Felix knows where he has to get the ball to him. Yes. And you know, that that's the biggest thing when when you're throwing the football like we were in 19 is you have to have a rhythm, you know, because when you're attacking grass and, you know, we don't necessarily have a bunch of things that are just drawn up on the chalkboard of this is where you go. You know, they read they read the coverage and they find grass, so the quarterback and the receivers have to be in sync. Otherwise, if he thinks he's breaking to the corner but he's really running flat across the middle, that's going to throw your timing off. So th- they're very much on the same page, and I think you'll see that continue with Coach Gray and Coach Phillips and they're working together and they do a lot of meeting, meetings and install together because it's so – those two have to be – the receiver has to know what the quarterback's thinking, the quarterback needs to know what the receiver's thinking, and you don't have time to hold on to the ball. You need to anticipate it. When you're open, you're open. You can't wait for – it's really when he's about to be open. If you wait till he's open, you're probably late. Yeah, and, and, and I mean that's the one thing we talked about earlier, how Felix was able to put the ball where it needs to be. All right, Coach, here's a question. Third down and three – Short yarded situation. They they got the receivers locked up. Time for a tight end. Who will be the guy or guys that you're looking at for that for those tough yards? Third and four. So we we got a good group in there. Uh, they actually joked this morning. This is as deep as we've been there in a minute. Um, but Jeremiah Green's an older guy. He's six four, two hundred and forty pounds. Big physical kid. He had a tremendous spring in the run game. Very excited to see what he did. You know, he's really growing. He played as a true freshman for me in 18. And then in 19, he played a couple games and took advantage of the four-game redshirt rule. So he, he's had a very nice spring. I look to see that continue into fall camp here. Um, we have Truck Griffin, a freshman out of Alabama. He's about 6'2", 210, 215. I look for him to be able to keep getting bigger. He can do some great things in the pass game, but he gets very defensive if you say he's a receiving tight end because he takes some pride in his physicality. Um, like I said, he's just a puppy, but he's had he he stood out very early in spring in spring football. Uh, Wes Danzi is a junior college transfer out of California. Big physical, 6'2", 6'3", 250 pounds. So he's a big kid. He he did some good things this spring that we're going to look to keep building on. And and then the new addition that we have is Jeremy Brown. He's a he's a grad transfer from Pine Bluff. Um, you know he went into the portal and the, was able to look at a bunch of games on him. And I think he has maybe a little over 800 career receiving yards in his time at UAPB. Uh, physical in the run game. So I I see Truck being able to grow into that body just as he keeps growing. You know, you can tell Jeremy had been in in the weight room for four to five years where Truck's just, you know, he just finished his first year on campus. But all those guys will play for us this year. Uh, We have a fullback on the roster now, Jeremiah Matthews. He's a a converted defensive end. He played for Coach Gray, actually, in high school. 
and he he's going to play the fullback spot, and you know we'll figure out we can always use someone to if we need to get in a little bigger personnel to like you said get the short yardage. Uh, he'll run and hit you. Was that a concern? I mean, just just a, it, I mean we were able to stretch the chain so much, but then when it got to third and four, third and three. It was okay. We know Felix Harper or whoever's back there is going to make some plays with his legs, try to create some space. But what was that? A, did that keep you up at night? Those short yardage situations. Yeah, yeah. You want to be able to because those are the ones you have to convert to keep your drive going. You know, so you know we we practice third down and short. That's the first thing we come out and practice every Monday because for the most part you're going to see some very similar things week to week. But to put a premium on, we we work on Mondays. We work on goal line. Two-point plays, uh, short yardage, and then we start getting into our normal down game plan. And we also work backed up on the one-inch line. Those are some things we work every Monday because those are those are critical situations. You know, if you get stopped on third and short, that's a momentum swing. Whereas if you convert it, that's where hey, we got this going. We can kind of do what we want to do now. We're talking with Braves offensive coordinator Elliot Radden. We're going to talk about the O line. Uh, I think we're going to go a little bit beyond the top of the hour because there's so much to talk about. We'll get to some of the text questions and tweets coming up after this timeout. You can give us a call, 601-877-6595. A lot to unpack with this offense, and Elliot Redden is doing a good job taking in one garment at a time, unpacking this offense, giving you at home an opportunity to check out what this Braves offense is going to look like. It's been a couple of years. Looking forward to it. We've got, what, 29 days until we play North Carolina Central in Atlanta. So we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Peek-a-boo, peek-a-boo, smile. Smile, buddy. Come on, smile. Oh, honey, he's still not smiling. Maybe he's not a smiler. Yeah, maybe he's just not a happy baby. Maybe he's just being a boy. You know how boys are. Or maybe he's teething. Oh, poor baby. I think his gums hurt. Maybe he's just tired. Or maybe his tummy hurts. He didn't eat that much. Maybe he's not ticklish. You think maybe he's scared of a dog? Maybe he'll outgrow it. Maybe it's a phase. Maybe he just doesn't like smiling. Maybe he has autism. Choosing a tuition-free K-12-powered online school with career prep electives can be the choice that gives your high schooler a strong foundation for the jobs of tomorrow. With career pathways in high-demand fields, students gain real-world skills that help them get ahead right out of high school. K-12-powered career prep students leave high school more than ready for their future. They're built for it. Be future-built with K-12. Learn more at k12.com forward slash radio. At K-12, I'm one. One of a million students. Who've chosen public school at home. Where I get the personalized attention I deserve. And can learn in a place that works for me. At my own pace. Here, I'm someone. And I can become anyone. Whether I'm facing a challenge. Or want to be challenged. My school meets me where I am. And helps me get where I want to be. I'm one. Are you one too? Full-time tuition-free schools. They may not be for everyone, but they're here for anyone. Education for anyone. And we can definitely do something to help. Maybe is all you need to find out more about autism. No big, joyful smiles by six months is one early sign. Learn the others at autismspeaks.org slash signs or see a doctor today for an autism screening. The sooner it's diagnosed, the better. And it can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Still got to unpack the offensive line, and we'll do that here in just a moment. But Coach Radden, uh, text came in on Wednesday. Uh, you talked about our receivers. And then this is from B.J. Jackson. 
Um, and with all the talent that we have at the skill set, skill positions, is he put? Are you putting more emphasis on the offensive line? We'll talk a little bit more about the offensive line, obviously, coming up. Talk about that. Well, I don't think I'm. You know, obviously, I'm the offensive line coach, so I don't know that there's any more emphasis on it. But you know, we pride ourselves. I think this is. We have a good tradition here at Alcorn State, long before I was coaching the offensive line, of having good lines. And we understand the tradition that we've had here up front, and we hold it to a high standard. So, you know, one of the things we talked about in our first meeting last night is our job is to protect the skill guys. You know, we are the enforcers. We're going to go as the offense will go as we go. So to answer the question, I guess yes, but, you know, we, we take our job very seriously. Our job is to keep the skill guys upright. And when they make a big play, we better be chasing right behind. One of my favorite plays um, – of all of 19, we threw a, a, a post to Radarius Anderson on a tempo play, and you see the whole offensive line go down there, and they shove him forward for about three more yards, and we go in and score not too long after that. I think we ran a little option play to the field, and it went to Trey Turner at the time. But, um, yeah, we, we want to be great, and that, that's the standard. Nothing, le- nothing less than that will be acceptable. Uh, text from DQ, Coach Redden, uh, what new wrinkles do you envision with the offense now that we have new weapons at the tight end position? You talked about Brown from UAPB and Truck Griffin. Well, I, I don't want to give away too much, but, you know, I think you will see those guys used. You know, those guys that can run, and, you know, we're going to get a chance to get some guys in space. One guy I'm mad at myself that I forgot to mention in the receivers is Manny Jones. You know, he's extremely – they call him Manny Flash – and he's about 5'6", five, 5'7", five, and he can run. And I think we're, we're going to figure out some, without giving too much way, to get guys in space uniquely. And like I told him last night, we want to get you one-on-one. Okay, Our job is to get you in one-on-one situations, and then their job is to go score. So we work something every day, the first, play, the first period, one of the first periods of individual, it's called the score circuit. And it's an emphasis on ball security and making guys miss and we have different stations that and we're going to do that every day this year so you're going to see some unique ways i think when you turn that first game on of us same things we're doing but some different wrinkles to it without giving away too much on it all right we appreciate that text and another one uh, we talked about the quarterbacks uh there's adams and kendrick brown players from meridian mississippi well they have a chance to play Absolutely. Both are in the mix and competing. Obviously, like I said, T's in the mix at the quarterback spot, and and, K, and Kendrick is, is in the mix at that inside receiver spot. You know, I saw him go across the middle, catch a nice ball today, and, you know, it's encouraging to see. You know, young guy, and like you said, we got a bunch of guys. we got to figure out ways to get footballs to them. And uh, tight end Kadarius Wells of Brookhaven. Kadarius had a, had a little injury after the spring game, um, not football-related, and he, he's he's home right now getting healthy. He's going to help us out a little bit in the fall. You might see him up in the box next to you, uh, Charles. And, you know, I think he'll be okay. You know, we just actually talked on the phone yesterday. I was helping him get some stuff situated for class this fall. And, he's you know, he's in, he's excited. And, Coach, how's it going? You know, it's going good, Mish Buddy. And, you know, so I look forward to keeping him just fighting and getting better. And so – we appreciate those texts that have come in. All right, let's talk about the offensive line. Nothing happens without the O-line, uh, Coach Redden. So you, you talked about it, obviously, OC and O-line coach. The first thing I want to ask you about that, and with with the spread offenses now, the way football is now, you know, I'm kind of old school. I'm old. I'm dated. Uh, I'm used to seeing 6'5", 350, just leaning on you. 
is that is that a dinosaur now? Leaner is is heavier still better or is leaner better in these super fast offenses? I think I mean I would love to have six five three fifty and be able to be super athletic. You know, the when people ask me, you know, coach, what are you looking for in recruiting? The first thing is will he hit? The second thing is can they bend? You know, and that with his with as much depending on what you're doing offensively, but you need athleticism because those edge rushers out there, they keep getting more athletic. You know, the those guys that can rush the quarterback in the NFL, the guy that can protect the quarterback, and then obviously the quarterback, those are the three highest paid players and the guys going in the first round. So, you know, I think, that you know, w- with as much as people are throwing the football, you have to be athletic. Um, you know, 350, is it's getting up there. You know, we – the guys always say, how much you want me to weigh, Coach? And I would prefer them to come in leaner and then let Coach Irby and Coach Coach Quimby build you up. So if you can keep functioning at that, but I, you know, as far as having kind of the sloppier body and, you know, I think that's, you know, kind of trending out a little bit. You see those guys, they want to be, and they even said they want to be called big athletes. They don't want to just be the big guys. They want to be big athletes. Okay. <laughs> big skill is when we go run. It's called big skill, not not the bigs. So 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 to clarify that, you you, you rather would have them lean where you can build them up rather than someone big and hefty where you got to slim them down. Yeah, and because part of the deal is you know if 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 you're a fatter guy, maybe someone like me who's maybe put on a few pounds since the last time they played, that weight's not doing anything for you. You know, it'd be better, and every time, like, I coach big people, so every time you step, you run, that's extra pressure on your joints, on your knees, your ankles, your feet, so if those guys can be holding good functional weight, that that's preferred more than just putting weight on to put weight on. You know, there's a difference between that coach. I got to gain ten pounds, and they go eat a couple buffets as opposed to. <laughs> and it's awesome. I was looking at the weight maxes from earlier this week, and then I'm looking at their weights, and all these guys are gaining six, seven pounds over the course of July, which as much as we ran and they lifted. You know, I think the protein and the program coach Irby and coach Quimby have them on has been awesome. So you know, I think it's more good weight than it is just weight. Yeah. Good weight and bad. What's what's the bad weight? Sitting at the buffets. Sit, sitting at the buffets. <laughs> you know, drinking the the Kool Aid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's me. That's me in a nutshell. All right, so let's look at the O line, coach. Let's uh, let's let's get into that here. Um, the, the biggest area of concern going in as you recruited and you know building that offensive line. And every time we talk about the offensive line, I talk about the year we played Arkansas. We played five offensive linemen in that game that we played the Razorbacks. Almost 80 snaps, just five offensive linemen. That's all we had. That's amazing. But you got a lot more than that now. Yes, I think we'll have 18 guys here in, or 17 guys here in camp. And I'm, I'm excited about this group. We've developed some good depth. You know, part of it just with the COVID year and some guys coming back and signing new guys. And But, you know, I'll start at the left tackle spot. You know, Wanye Morris is an older guy for us. He took a red shirt in 19. He got real sick in spring ball and um, had an infection, so he wasn't even cleared to really play until October, I think. So I think he played in the Jackson State game. Um, super athletic, long kid, very smart. Uh, I think he could really fit in, in that edge Moby role. And, you know, you saw him have a great year last year. He earned All-American honors. Um, you know, and behind him we'll have a little battle. We have a freshman and Michael Moment who really stood out, had an impressive spring spring camp. Um, 
about 6'2", 6'3". He's in that 275, 280 range. Bends really well. He works impressively hard. Um, I'm very excited about him. We have TJ Yarborough from Louisville, Mississippi. Went to Itawamba. He's actually Chris Blair's cousin. Um, and he'll have some ability to play left and right. Kind of a quiet, unassuming. And, and he had a really good underrated spring. Uh, I'll flip over to the other tackle spot where we have a battle going on right now. It'll be between Eric Sherrod and Jamal Lofton. Uh, Eric got to us in 19 a couple weeks before we played Southern Miss and took a red shirt that year. So, you know, we the one thing you see here, you see some guys taking some time to develop, learn the system, and that's a pretty constant theme across what we have up front. And Jamal Lofton out of Northwest. And then we have a young freshman who he's he's a – He's a large human being. He's about 6'6", 320, London McGowan out of Horn Lake. Um, so those guys are doing, you know, we have good depth at the tackle spot, which is usually one that's harder to get to, and I think we've built that up. At the left guard spot, Will Reddy, I think, had as good of a spring as anyone. You know, you saw him come into action in 19 uh, after Deontay Brooks got hurt, and I think his first start was against Southern at home that first game, and the ball was down on the one-inch line, and, you know, He'd be mad at me if I bring this up, but, you know, he jumped off sides a couple times and then settled down, and I think he had as good of a spring as anyone we had on that football team. Um, Behind him, we have a couple guys battling out Braxton Spells and Deontay Reed. Deontay's a freshman out of Picayune. Um, He he had a little knee in spring, but he's healthy, fully cleared to go now, so I'll see him Monday for the first time in shoulder pads, but, you know, he played in the Miss Al All-Star game. Played every snap at Picayune, offense and defense. And Braxton Spells is a guy that's been here for a couple years. And strong kid, keeps getting better. You know, he's going to be in the mix. Uh, right guard, we have Columbus Willis. Who, he had a really nice spring. He's an older guy. He's a fifth-year senior. He's graduated. Um, Wanye's graduated. And he has done a tremendous job with his body. He's about 6'4", 310 pounds. Um he can move some folks around. He's he's going to have a good year. And behind him, we have a battle between Jarquez Mango, a freshman, and Wanderis Reed. You know, the, the neat thing about that freshman class is they've had a whole year here. They hadn't had to play a game, and they've had a chance to learn the system before we ever went out there. So, and then obviously I'll start, I'll, I'll finish with the center spot. Uh, you'll see probably two guys rotating through there at least. Joey Milburn, who, who kind of won the job in the middle of 19, he, he makes the whole thing go up front, extremely intelligent. And Darius Smith is a guy who's, who's again, he's been in the program for a while. He's bulked up to about 265 pounds. Now, he's a little bit lighter, but the, the cool thing about him is he knows exactly what people are going to try and do to him with being a lighter guy. And we got good depth there at center. Behind them, we have Steve Carter, who's got some ability to play center and guard. I'm going to let him focus on center right now. He's 6'4", 320 pounds. He's a big kid. And then and Timothy Lee from Fayette, who's, he had a great summer. Excited to see where he's at. So, you know, we got good numbers, and we have good quality numbers. You know, it's easy to have numbers, but to develop the depth. And like we told them, you know, you guys play up front. Someone's going to get dinged up. We're going to have a hamstring, a cramp, a finger, whatever it is. And the next guy's got to be up. And, you know, these guys are all – those guys that are – in that too deep, they're all going to get a chance to roll with that one group in camp because you never know. They got to gel as a unit, and it can't just be the first five. They got to be able to gel if we need to plug in and play some pieces, so to speak. Yeah, I, I was impressed over the years with just how this offensive line, you know, regardless, and 
I shared that story again about against Arkansas. We carried five offensive linemen to Little Rock when we played, and they played every snap. No, very few people know that. We talk about it now, smile about it now. That's kind of when you're near the bottom of the barrel. But now you've got what? Uh, you got 17 offensive linemen right now. I mean, so you go from one extreme to the next and how – how the pieces can definitely change, and it it can get whittled down because guys do get hurt in the trenches. Yeah, and you know it, that's the biggest thing is you know you got to prepare. You know, and I told him the other night, and, and I was a little bit drastic with it last night, but I said you know it could be you coming to center and you going out. You know, because whenever we go to play that football game, there's going to be five of them that go out there. So you know, and that's why I'm cross training some guys at left and right. You know, some guys can do it, some can't. You know, some have only played on one side their whole life, so if they can't do it, that's fine. I don't want to try and force something that maybe that we're going to waste time at. If we have guys that can do it, let's focus on those guys that have the ability. Because the plays don't change. It's just being able to be comfortable, whether it's coming out of your stance and the run game and pass pro. You know, some guys have never gotten into even a left-handed stance before. You know, and those are some of the things we try and look at in recruiting. You know, especially those inside guys. You know, the first question I ask when I recruit can you snap? And if they can snap, that helps out a little bit. And like when I say, can you snap? It means have like you practice with a guy lined up over you and can snap because anyone can snap. But when you have someone in the a gap sweating on your ball, trying to get it, get to the quarterback, we don't need to roll that ball back there. So as a center, which is, which is, is it harder now because the quarterback's out of the shotgun so much, or I mean, 99.999% of the time, the quarterback's out of the gun now with this, with this spread stuff. So, is is it more pressure on centers now? I, I don't think so. You know, I don't think so. I think it's even we're to the point now where you you recruit a bunch of kids that have never even had someone under center. You know, they've never had hands under center, and we practice it. Now you won't see us get under center a whole lot. You know, but it, you see a bunch of guys that have never even experienced like going under center. So I don't know that. I mean, I think it's just kind of what people are used to now because the spread has trickled down all the way to. Pop Warner, you <laughs> yeah. know, and, you know, it's kind of unique where, you know, Deontay Reed, his quarterback in high school, he would turn around, toss it back, and he turned up and was the lead blocker. I never forgot watching his tape. I was like, ooh, that's, <laughs> that's unique. Yeah. Which is which of, of all the positions on the line, which is the easiest to teach because you're a former O-line coach, which is the toughest to teach? Well, they're all different, and that's the important it, I think center has some unique challenges just because you're holding a football. Now, you also have help on both sides of you, and you work in a tighter window. Tackle, obviously, you get out in space more, and you have a chance to truly be one-on-one against an edge rusher. Um, You know, guards, it depends what you're looking at, whether it's run game or pass game. You know, guards get in the run game. They're in charge of denning the defense and moving some folks, but, you know, they have – Sometimes they have help on them on both sides. So uh, they're all different. And the one thing which is the hardest in practice is when you need to split those guys up. And, you know, we have a good group of older guys where sometimes I need to go just work with the tackles because what the tackles are doing is very different than what the centers are doing. You know, you can't – and then you have to work about different body types and different things that they can do. So um, they're all very unique. You know, everyone just thinks, hey, they're all linemen. Well, we are all linemen. But they all are very different. It was one thing I thought about a couple of years ago, it happened early on when Noah Johnson played, obviously Felix Harper. We did have from time to time some issues with the snaps, lob snaps to the quarterback and that sort of thing. Uh, was that something that uh, concerned you as time went on? 
Yeah, I don't. I the the standard for the snap needs to be a good speed right here where the quarterback can have his eyes on the defense. You know, right at the chest. So, you know, I think that's part of the reason. You know, Joey ended up in there because he had he had a very catchable snap. You don't want to lob it back there because in a passing situation, we're all pass setting and the quarterback doesn't have the ball. And you also don't want to throw him low because if you throw it low, you're taking the quarterback's eyes off the defense. And then naturally, as he comes up, he sees the rush. So, you know, we preach snap first. If you can't snap it, you can't play. Talking with Braves offensive coordinator Elliot Radden. We'll take a break right here. We'll be right back as well. Some other questions have come in. We'll take a break. We'll be right back after this. A lot of good stuff from Elliot Radden. In case you missed some of it, as soon as this is over with, well, I'll repost it. It'll be on my Facebook page. I'm on Facebook, Charles Edmond. I'm on Twitter, Tall Man Radio. We'll be right back after this. And, of course, for Coach Elliot Radden, offensive coordinator, would not be possible without some great offensive assistance. We'll talk about it. New quarterbacks coach and some other pieces there. So we'll talk about all that when we come back. It's important to plan ahead for emergencies, like the storm. When it kicked in, we had a plan. There's a reason people call Myrtle Beach the beach. Here, you become your best self. Because Myrtle Beach can take you anywhere. Whether it's big and adventurous or quiet and curious. Whether you're going all out or staying in the moment. Whatever you want, we've got it by the boatload. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Looking for a way to make online learning a better option for your family? When it comes to virtual learning, experience matters. Tuition-free K-12-powered schools are ready to put over 20 years of experience to work for you, giving your child the personalized learning they deserve without disruptions. With a K-12-powered school, students gain the skills they need to be prepared for their next steps in life. Building a better future for each one of us. K-12, education for any one. Learn more at k12.com. We were able to get in touch with each other in no time. How to find each other. The whole experience was fine. The most frightening 10 hours of my life. If there's one piece of advice I'd offer other moms out there, it's to stay calm and keep to the plan. Some parents plan ahead. Some don't. Make sure you know where to find your family in an emergency. Visit BeReady.Iowa.gov. Brought to you by Ready Iowa, FEMA, and the Ad Council. Jack Store is a proud underwriter of WPRL 91.7 FM. Jack Store, located here on the campus of Old Court State University, where you'll find a full line of convenience and grocery store products. And while you're at Jack's, if you need a fill-up, Jack's has you covered. Jack's is open seven days a week, 7 a.m. until. Go by and see little Jack, my friend, who's walking in the footsteps of his father, the late Big Jack, and giving you the best service he has to offer. So stop by Jack's. When you go by, tell him that you heard it on WBRL 91.7 FM. That's Jack Store, located here on the campus of Alcorn State University. Jack Store is a proud supporter of all Alcorn State University sporting events. All right, uh, as we put the finishing touches on Elliot Radden here, well, a lot of good stuff to unpack here. As we have 29 days before we play North Carolina Central, we'll get a little sneak peek uh, at Central as well coming up. Coach uh, Mike, our good buddy Mike Jones was uh, asking, uh, was talking about your other coaches, and I did want to talk about that. New quarterbacks coach Quinn Gray, uh, talk a little bit about that and the job that he's done in that quarterback room. 
Co- Coach Gray's done an awesome job coming in and taking over that room and, and continuing to build what we're doing with the offense. You know, I think the really unique thing, you know, we talk so much about how quarterbacks and receivers have to work well together is how well he works well with the rest of the staff. You know, him and Coach Phillips, like I said, meet with those guys as a unit a lot. And, you know, he did a good job, you know, because we do some things kind of differently on offense of coming in. And, you know, you could tell why the guy played in the NFL for a minute, coming in and taking notes and and understanding what we wanted to do and then taking it and translating it to the kids. Um, And he's I would say he's in full speed ahead mode right now with it, you know, in terms of understanding what we want to do. And and but, you know, I thought it was very impressive how he came in because, you know, sometimes people want to come in and it's like, well, I want to do this. And he came in and soaked it all up and understood what we're doing. It's like, okay, how does this fit in what we're doing? And it fits, you know. So it's been awesome. And like I said, the chemistry between between those two to help us in the throwing game has been awesome. They do a great job together. And like I said, I'm an O-line guy. And I think the important thing when we talk about us as an offensive staff, it's not my offense. It's not Coach Gray's offense, it's not Coach McNair's offense, it's, not Co- it's our offense. You know, we work on a collaborative ev- effort every week, and, you know, guys are experts in some certain areas, you know, and so I think they do a great job, and, you know, Coach Booz and Coach Powell do an awesome job with those guys, and, you know, it's, it, they're, we have fun. Let's put it that way. We have fun, and we like doing football together. And this offense is fun when it's rolling. I mean, I go back to the last game we played against A&T. We scored 40 40- Four points, you know how we scored forty-four points in the game and lost. That's tough. And you know, Coach Thorn talked about how many times he saw that game. How many times had you looked at? I mean, I were moving on, but you know, during that time, um, you know, how many times did you look at that celebration bowl? Well, I, I graded it when we got back, you know, and then I watched it on TV once when I was bored during the pandemic because I usually don't want to. I usually don't like to watch the TV because they might be saying some things I don't. I don't like, but um, I did watch it. It was cool to watch, you know, but I, the first thing I did when I got back is I wanted to watch it because they did some things that they hadn't necessarily done defensively, just small things in the run game that I, I went back and looked. I said, okay, that's pretty, because again, that's the last game anyone will have on us. So we need to be able to address any issues we had and move on. Um, so, you know, I, I looked at it from that standpoint and honestly, you know, we, if we would have got going a little bit earlier in that second quarter, I think it would have been – it could have been a different outcome. You know, we stalled a little bit there, and it took us a minute. Their front was very talented, and we made some adjustments in the in the protection and what we were doing and, and fixed it. And like I said, we threw it around pretty well in the third quarter, and we kind of ran out of gas. Yeah, I mean, that was an exciting game. A lot of people are still talking about that game. Um, so you, you talked about uh, Coach Gray. You talked about Coach – just talk about your offensive coaches, guys that – so you go all having a lot of fun. Just give folks a sense as to who's uh, on that side of the ball coaching the offense. Yeah, so, you know, Coach Boos and I have known each other for a long time. We're both undergrad students at, at Indiana, so I've known him for, I don't know, a long time. Yeah. You know, and, and we're lockstep in the run game. You know, Coach Powell handling the tight ends and the special teams. You know, and obviously I've coached the tight ends before, so and he'd been here, so we have, you know, he does a great job and understand what we want to do. You know, and like I said, the unique thing, and obviously you have Coach McNair roaming around too. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to forget about that. But, you know, Coach Gray played quarterback at a very high level. Um, Coach McNair did. Coach Phillips has played quarterback before. Um, and he played in college and was a very good high school quarterback. Coach McNair came in here as a receiver, 
So you got some guys that have some crossover at different positions, and I think, like you said, when you talk about those two spots, it's it's huge. But, you know, I think we have a good identity of what we want to do. I think we're, you know, like I said, they do a great job teaching the kids, which we can know all the football we want, but if we're not very good teachers, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You know, and I think we've got game day broken down to where we have assigned areas, and, you know, they should, when there's an issue, we should all know what we want to be calling next. Now, I'm going to spit the play out, um, but sometimes it could be as simple as because I'm watching the box. So it could be I want to throw either this pass concept or that pass concept, and Coach Phillips is up in the box. So, and I say, is it this or this? And he, boom, because he knows exactly what we're looking for, and we've game planned it. You know, so he said, and I'll say, you know, it could be one of these two plays. And because I'm giving, one, I'm giving a heads, it's not just, hey, I need a pass here, you know. Um, but, you know, we have it broken down like that pretty well. You know, Coach Boo's in the run game. Hey, we need to make this adjustment, you know. So I think we, we've spent enough time together, especially during the pandemic. We're still coming to work every day, and, you know, we we did some clinics. We talked to each other. We went, you know, we went through the install like six times. You know, it's the point now where if we get up and go through the install, we're all looking at each other like, do we really need to do this again? Yeah. But we did. You know, with, and when you talk about this offense and just the fun, um, I can kind of tell that just being out there practice and how you kind of, you talked about your relationship with Felix Harper, some things that Felix doesn't like. All right, we need to take out this. We need to tweak this. And I was thinking about the Green Bay Packers again. Aaron Rodgers, one of the, the issues, I think Aaron Rodgers has an issue with some of the play calling, just my own personal opinion, and he wants more autonomy over that. It used to be Brett Favre called the plays, if I'm not mistaken. I think Aaron Rodgers wants the same thing, but Matt LaFleur says call the play as it's called. But the fun that you have with your guys in terms of adjustments and play calling and how you're versatile enough where you can take some things out or add some things based on what the quarterback and and the players kind of talk to you about. Yeah, you know, I think it's – and we we spend a lot of time talking about it. And when they come over to the sideline, we need to have clear communication. What happened? And it doesn't need to be this guy did this. You know, the three techniques spiked inside. The mic was in a 10 alignment, and he cross-fit to the other A gap. You know, because you don't know – hopefully our defense is going to get the ball back. I don't know how many times that happened in 19. We're over there talking, boom, next thing you know they force a turnover. Well, we got to go. So, you know, we spend a lot of time on communicating between the players and the coaches, the coaches and the coaches. And, you know, I don't – I try not to talk to the quarterback too much on game day. Now I'll come over and we talk – you know, we talk, hey, what do you like, what do you – but as far as quarterback play, one, my eyes aren't down the field. So I'm getting with Coach Gray, hey, what uh, – okay, he did this, he did that. You know what I mean? But we're not trying – I'm not trying to – I don't coach quarterback. I'm not a quarterback expert, you know. I think we have a bunch of guys that are very good at their job on our side of the ball, and they're experts in that area, and then we know how to adjust and go from there. One uh, quick text has come in. Um, transfer from Texas A&M, a running back. Is he on campus? He is not on campus right now. Okay. All right, so, Coach, as we wrap it up here, uh, North Carolina Central, we've got 29 days. Uh, give us a – I asked Coach Thornton this the other day, a sneak peek in terms of what we can expect from – uh, Central offensively, talking with Coach Thornton. What do you see in North Carolina Central's defense as you look at it right now? Well, you know, Coach Oliver there, the head coach, is a defensive guy. He spent a long time with Coach Odoms at Southern University. 
And so, you know, just watching the defense from 2019, saw a lot of similarities in what they're doing. I, I believe that it's a new defense coordinator there. It's not really posted on the website, so doing best to figure all that out. Um, but, you know, I think you're going to see a very sound football team. Obviously, the head coach being a defensive guy, he's going to take some pride in that side. And, you know, I, th- I we've watched some film. We, there's some things we think will be similar. And, you know, part of it will be going out that first game and seeing how they're what things they've changed, you know, and they're probably looking at us with the same thing. What have, what's all corn changed? So, you know, we'll go out and, you know, we'll have the biggest thing for us is we'll have some things built out to see how they're doing it. And then we'll have to make our adjustments and respond off it. You you were saying earlier that uh, before we went on that you're, you're not worried about the rush. You're worried about being maybe too amped up maybe. Yeah. I, I think, you know, those guys, you know, obviously there's a lot of festivities surrounding the game and, you know, ESPN and and the MEX WAC Challenge will probably they'll do a great job for the guys. I've I've had a sneak peek. Obviously, with College Game Day being there, yes. I believe we're doing something with first take. And I've tried not to even look too much into it because you know our mission is that's the first game, you know, and that's the first game. And there, if there's some other things that go along with it, that's great. But uh, as far as our preparation and our routine, we need it to be what it is. So you know, I'm, you know, they we haven't played football in so long, and I that. Sounds like the ticket sales are going well. There's probably going to be a lot of people there. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a 7 o'clock kickoff, and, you know, I'm, I think we're going to be pretty excited to go out there because we'll have a fall camp and a spring ball to get, you know, to go into it, which is pretty standard operating procedure. So we just had the first day of practice today. Give us the schedule going forward. It's going to be hot Saturday, uh, Sunday. It's going to be hot as well, but looking at the forecast, it's going to be cooler weather next week. Some rain maybe Sunday, and it'll cool off a little bit. Yeah, so uh, in about 15 minutes, I'm going to go meet with the O-line. And then tomorrow, like I said, it'll be Helmets Day. Sunday will be meetings, church, and off day. And then we'll get into some uh, shells days, Monday and Tuesday. I think even Wednesday, and then we'll get into full pads at the end of the week. So next week will be a big week. Like I said, we'll get our first contact uh going on Monday, and we'll, we'll ease into it. You know, the first day we could do contact in spring, we didn't necessarily go out and do 11-on-11 11 11 team. You know, but I, I'm just, we got some 11-on-11 11 11 planned for Monday and get out there and, you know, start start sharpening our tools up really in, in that setting because that's what it's about. A couple of text coach you'll be interested in listening uh, to my brother-in-law from Indiana. Let's go Braves. Can't wait for the first game. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and also she'll be at several of those first games. Whitney will be there. I think they're coming to South Alabama, uh, the Miak Swack Challenge. I'm excited. It'll be great to have my family there. And uh, your wife and son are listening in Indiana. We love you, Coach, and tell him Grandma thinks he's a, your real winner. <laughs> and uh, my son actually turns three tomorrow, so happy birthday to him. You know, they're like I said, they're up in Indiana because we're in camp mode. So. Um, She's she's up there visiting her parents. My son stayed with my parents earlier this week, and she's handling the three-year-old while we're we're down here getting our work in. You all are definitely getting getting your work in. Just following you from the time you got here to where you are right now as OC, you know, you all had the uh, videos out there in the spring, just the different concepts. Talk about how that got going. Uh, we just did, we a couple guys asked us to do some podcast, and and we, we you know we had some extra time and. So we did a little bit with that, and it, you know it was fun. And but you know, you know it, it's great to talk football with people. You know what I mean? I, anyone that wants to talk football, it's fun. It's what you, you wouldn't believe what you can learn talking into people from everywhere. 
all walks of football, different parts of the country. You wouldn't believe how good some people have some stuff where they teach and whether you just pick up some things. Like I said, I participated in the Cool Clinic, which is the coaches of offense line. It's just they did it virtually this year, and it was really unique. You know, the first day is I think it was four or five NFL coaches at the Packers, the Buccaneers, the Titans, they all did it. And normally it's a, this big hotel in Cincinnati and then a bunch of college guys the next day. And, you know, it, it's it's cool to be able to go out and share football and talk pe- talk to people and, and get good ideas. Uh, you, 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 how much pro football do you watch? In the off season, I watch like the all 22 stuff. You know, I watch during the season. Obviously, I don't get to see any of it. Yeah. Um, there's some different – I watch more for some specific concepts. If there's something we're doing similarly – I like to watch that and see. Um, it's impressive what some of those guys do. And obviously it's such a personnel-driven league with things people do. And, you know, talking to Chris Blair while he was back, it was very cool to talk to him about, hey, Coach, this is the same thing we were doing, but they just call it this. And um, it's very impressive the freedom they give to Aaron Rodgers up there and some of the ability to check things and do some different stuff. And, you know, I just it's neat to hear different systems and see how people go about it. Yeah, I, I like. I mean, I didn't get it. Didn't get a chance to talk to Chris Blair when he was here a couple of weeks ago. Just you know, talk about those conversations. He looks pretty good. He's he, he's still on the roster. I saw him riding the bike. I guess uh, I don't know if the rookies have they get bikes riding their bikes to the training facility every day. But uh, looks like he's fitting in. And it looks like he's the perfect target. I think for Aaron Rodgers, size, body wise, attitude, the whole nine yards. Yeah, and he said they have him on. I think every special team, which is a great sign for him to make it. You know, Chris was a tremendous worker. Uh, I really think he'll have a shot to make it and have a lot of success for a long time because he didn't take the easiest route to even make the Packers. I think he told me his tryout last year was like in October. And I believe it's like a two-year futures deal, so I think he still has another year under contract from what he was telling me. But, you know, it was super cool to sit down and talk with him while he was back and just he's like, Coach, it's the same stuff you all were talking about here. And just to let him be around the guys and let them, you know, he's – he just completed mini camp with the Packers, and he's telling them, the guys, it's the same stuff we're doing. <laughs> it makes it fun. Yeah. How, how how fun is this for you? I love what I get to do. I love what I get to do. It's super fun every day, like I said, to come in, uh, get to work for an awesome head coach. I don't think there's a better one around to work for and and work with on a daily basis. We have an awesome staff that we have fun with, and then the kids are – we have a bunch of great kids here. You know, they love playing football. Obviously, you know, the tradition here is really good. But we don't have a lot of distractions here being where we are. And I think that's one of our advantages. Like, they show up. Like, you go by that field a bunch of times, you're going to see guys out there working out, doing extra. And, you know, they understand what it takes to, to win. And we, we go from uh, being the hunted to the hunters. That, that SWAC trophy's over in Huntsville, Alabama. We're trying to get that back. That's right. You know, and they, credit to them, they had they had a great spring, you know, and to be able to navigate it and win it, awesome job by them, you know. And so we're focused on 2021 and going back and and getting it back, you know. And I think our kids they understand that, and we're going to show up and come. We're going to take it one day at a time. My my blood pressure has just gone up talking about the Alcorn Alabama A and M game here two years ago, and how it came down to the final play and how dealing with the quill glass, and they're going to run it back. You know, I mean, that that was one of the better swag games. I mean, just, just talk about – I mean, we're able to put, a t- put up a ton of points just enough to get by. Yeah, and, you know, we turned the ball over a couple times in that game. One, I believe once in the red zone, which was huge. 
Um, and, you know, we, that's one of the reasons we made it close. You know, but that game, you're right. At the end of that game, it was almost, it wasn't joy. It was, <laughs> <laughs> let me go take a shower. I, I want to go home. Because you're right, it was. Yeah, I mean, and just even looking at it, Glass, if you told me three years ago this is what he w- turned out to be, I never would have believed it. But Cornell Maynard has put a great system together. And just looking at looking at our situation, I mean, we moved to the West, okay? So you look at our schedule. Obviously, uh, we open up with the SWACMIAC Challenge, Northwestern State, uh, at home. That That's our home opener. And by the way, um, I know people have been asking about times, Coach. Um, I'm going to pull that up here in just a second. But we, we do have some um, – well, I can't pull it up. But uh, we do have, uh, you know, three home games. And obviously, we open up uh, against Central – then uh, Northwestern, then we, we go to South Alabama, and then our first division game as a Western Division member is at Pine Bluff on a Thursday night, the Western Division champs. So we got a couple of bye weeks in the first month and change of the season, then seven and straight, uh, seven straight weeks for playing football. So on the front end, we try to stay healthy, but on the back end, it's going to be tough because I mean, you're playing seven straight weeks with no buys. Yeah, and I – I don't think that's the first time we've been on a run like that here since I've been here. Um, I remember that stretch a couple years ago when it was Southern on a Saturday, Texas Southern on a Friday, followed by Alabama State on a Thursday. Uh, That (laughs) was a lot of football and uh, not a lot of days. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's why it's so important that we develop the depth now. Um, If we got a bunch of guys that can play at different spots, they don't all need to go out and play 85 snaps every week, you know, because, like you said, that's a lot of games in a row. We got a lot of buses to ride this fall, and so we need to have as many healthy, able-bodied, productive kids as we can have. Our first division game is against UAPB on a Thursday night. Should be from South Alabama. That's that's not going to be a picnic either as we make the trip down to Mobile. So it'll be an interesting start to the season. Yeah, and I think the schedule sets, like I said, it sets up nice where you get a couple of those non. I like when you have the non-conference games right in a row. It's always weird when you have one late in the middle of the year. But, you know, you, we get a couple good tests. Uh, North Carolina Central, you know, they'll be a very good defense. You know, it'll be good to see on that. And then Northwestern State just played this spring and then followed that up by an FBS team and, and Coach Womack's first year at South Alabama. And then obviously, you know, we're, we were all very aware of what Pine Bluff did this spring. You know, and they had a great spring. And so we're very aware because they, they have something we want too. Yeah, that division title. And I want – I know you don't deal with the schedule too much, but you know I, I saw two different attitudes at Media Day when it came to early scheduling. Obviously, we know the first week in conference, Jackson State, FAMU, Week One, Game One. Talk with Willie Simmons at Media Day. He says he wants he wants to open up against a, a division rival or a division game because it gets your gets your attention right off the bat. Then I've talked to other coaches that say, well, we want to play into your division schedule, playing up or playing down, whatever the case, you don't necessarily want to start out uh, against uh, conference opponents. Where are you on that? You just want to kind of, would you like to just, I know you don't have anything to do with the schedule, but just looking at your personnel and just trying to build the season, you want to just kind of play into conference or does it really matter? I, I don't know if it really matters because especially in that first one, you're going to be very well, I mean, everyone's very excited to be out there. You know, like I said, the only thing I really like, I think some of those are weird when you get that non-conference game later in the year, you worry about your guys almost losing attention because you you fight so hard for a division, a conference championship, you know, that when you get kind of one of those one-off, not that you don't want to win it, but every week in the SWAC, you got to bring it, you know, because uh, it's, you know, it's win or go home. 
So, you know, it kind of is what it is. I think the the types of teams we get to play the first couple of weeks will be good for us, you know, to get it, you know, it's great to have a South Alabama, like that's going to be a very good defense. It'll be a great test, you know. So, you know, I think the biggest thing is just where we can keep building it to play in our best football and swag play. And we open up, as we said, against UAPB. Doc Gamble who's an assistant coach here at Alcorn. Talk with him at Media Day. Um, you know, Pine Bluff, no one talked about Pine Bluff in the spring. You know, everybody talked about Southern, Grambling in the West. And then here comes Pine Bluff. They lose some pieces. Uh, their offensive coordinator goes to Mississippi Valley. But Doc Gamble says his team will be ready. That'll be an interesting challenge going to Golden Lions Stadium. Yeah, that'll be my fir- first time that I've actually been there. We've The way the schedules have worked out, we we haven't been up there since I've been here. But, you know, we'll, we look forward to getting those guys ready to play in a Thursday night ESPN game. You know, and it's it's a chance to play the Western Division champion. I don't think it'll take too much to get everyone up for that game. Oh, sure it won't. And it won't take much for this Braves team to get back out there 29 days away from kicking it off against North Carolina Central. you got first take will be there. College game day will be there. It's going to be a lot of fun as we get the season off to a good start. Coach Elliott Radden, we really appreciate it. Good stuff. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. If you missed it, uh, I'll be posting this here in just a moment. So stay tuned for that. That'll do it, folks. We've talked offense and defense. We're going to be talking with the other coaches as well throughout the course of camp, some players as well as we get you set for opening day, week zero against North Carolina Central in Atlanta. Should be fun. For our producer, Jamario Brooks, I'm Charles Edmond. Glad you can join us. Special interview with head coach Elliot Ratton. It's the bottom of the hour. We'll talk to you soon. So long. Keeping your pet happy and healthy. That's what Chewy is all about, which is why we offer veterinary diets, prescriptions, even compounded medications customized for your pet so you can get what they need to feel good. Save on pet prescriptions and more. Visit Chewy.com today. Welcome aboard Fanta Airways. We're cruising the Caribbean at a steady 90 BPM with our pina colada Fantas, taking a direct flight from our reggaeton home to the land of plantain chips and dance hall. Mmm, combining these chips with our Fantas has made a new groove. Thank you for grooving with Fanta Airways. Fanta, it's a team. Fanta, the perfect partner to snacking. Fanta, it's a thing.